2: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies See T-Mobile.com.
3: 101 61 oof 101 61 Number 13, Auburn. American History X curb stomped the South Carolina Gamecocks last night. Oh, my God. ESPN's win probability tracker here says that at no point during the game did South Carolina have more than a 21.1% chance to win the game. That was the closest you came. And the score was South Carolina 9, Auburn 4. Still, Auburn had a 79.9% win probability. And then, oh boy, did it go downhill from there. I mean, an utter shellacking at Auburn last night in front of 9,121 fans. Look, I don't know what's so hard about beating Auburn. App State did it this year. Like, come on. Now, truthfully, Auburn had themselves a ridiculous night. And when Auburn's playing like that, there's not, more, not many teams in the country that are going to beat them. Listen to these ridiculous stats throughout this game. Field goal percentage for the Gamecocks, 34.6% from the field. That's, that's good enough to beat a lot of teams in the SEC except for when Auburn's shooting at 61%. 20% from free throw, from the three-point line. Auburn shot 60% from the three-point line. South Carolina committed twice the number of turnovers, got the same number of rebounds. Like, Michi Johnson came back and had himself a decent game, 22 points. Like, we talked about it last week. When... Michie Johnson, I think, scored six points in the last game. Like, it's good that South Carolina has a roster that can go out and score points no matter who's having a hot night or an off night. That is that is a luxury that you guys, I hope you appreciate what it is you have on this team. When Michi Johnson is not playing well, when Talon Cooper is not playing well, you got guys like Colin Murray Boyles, who I think against Vanderbilt put up 30, 31 points. It's nuts. Like you got guys who can score across the board. B.J. Mack last night put up 14. But <laughs> when you got guys at Auburn shooting at 60% from the, the three-point line, that's just Nuts. Like Broom, I mean, Broom scored 21. Williams scored 23 for Auburn. Nobody had a big breakout night for Auburn last night. But they just they just had you across the board. They played excellent defense. They were lethal all across the all across the court last night. And you just ran into a buzz saw. You ran into a buzz saw. And what happened to your net rankings, well, the net was never that high on South Carolina anyway. Mark Ryan was like, it's a travesty. It's a travesty that South Carolina wasn't ranked uh, two weeks ago when they were still, I think, 26th, first in others receiving votes. It's a travesty. Look at their record. Well, statistically, the net rankings, the, the Ken Palm, didn't think super highly. I mean, they, they had you as a top 50 team. That's That's pretty good. But you've fallen from 45 to 51 after that shellacking that you took. And a lot of it has to do with with uh you know your defensive efficiency in that game, which obviously was not good. You didn't play great defense against Auburn, and they kicked your asses for it. But good news is you're still a tournament team. You're not this is not gonna knock you out of the tournament. Auburn is excellent. They're, it's a quad one game. It's not gonna hurt you that much. I mean, Auburn, like I said, just played out of their mind. They'd shot 42% from the field the last two games. They shot over 50% three games ago against Ole Miss, which was another blowout win against a tournament bubble team. Ole Miss is is a solid basketball team this year. But, you know, nobody's going to beat Auburn when they're shooting 60% from the field. So I had to mention it. Throw sharp pointy objects all you want to. Doesn't change the fact that it actually happened. Let's take a listen to some of the audio from across the sports world today before things turned ugly in Kansas City. Seemed like they were having one hell of a good time. Here's Travis Kelsey, absolutely hammered, singing Low Places.
0: The last one to know. We were the last one to show. We were the last ones they thought they'd see there.
3: Oh, good God. Taylor's got all the time. I
0: saw the surprise, that fear in their eyes, they when took that <laughs> glass they of champagne. Pat, Pat took that glass of champagne. I promise. Had to throw it in there. And I toasted you, honey. We threw what I never. What?
3: Uh, what? Yeah. yeah. I got Somebody tried to step in and help him out. (laughs) Oh, what a celebration. Hell of a good time. But regardless, Travis Kelsey, at that moment, was he was a drunken buffoon. Good news is, if he makes babies with Taylor Swift, He'll be able to give them athletic ability. She'll be able to give them musical talent, hopefully. 50-50 on each, maybe. And they're going to be some good-looking, talented babies. Next up, Patrick Mahomes says, we're not done. Diesel, you don't know what the hell you're talking about for Monday. We're going for another one. Check this out. And we're going for that three piece. So don't get it, forget it. Go get it twisted. We're doing it three times. First time in NFL history, we're doing it. We had audio. We didn't get to it the other day. Larry Fitzgerald went off on the um, the altercation on the sideline between Travis Kelsey and uh, and head coach Andy Reid, saying basically, if it was a black player, we'd be all over it. Nobody would forgive him. And also if the chiefs lost the super bowl it would have been uh it would have been an, an incident that needed a lot of reprimand here's travis kelsey talking with his brother on their podcast the new heights podcast clearing up what the altercation was all about
0: I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. The yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm out there with him, man. He ain't calling it quits. Come on now. He's not.
3: Travis Kelsey right there says it. We're all coming back. We're all coming back. Then, you know, obviously – you know that was pre-recorded. That was on their podcast. But not long after Travis Kelsey drunkenly singing low places and Patrick Mahomes calling out a three-peat, things turned ugly in Kansas City. A million people were on hand, and then this happened. <laughs> Terrifying. I like just imagine being on the streets there, and that starts ringing out, and then of course the chaos starts to ensue. Everybody's like, "Was that fireworks?" what's going on here? And then the panic starts to set in and people start stampeding to get out of the area. It's just it's it's scary. It's scary. And so the developments, according to the texters on the show earlier, were that two uh, teenage punk kids got into an altercation. They they pulled out weapons and started firing at each other. But whatever the minute details of of this situation is it's it seems like every two weeks we're confronted with a story like this it seems like constantly we're hearing stories about gun violence in the streets and marcus spears from espn here had a poignant comment and said like we don't even we don't even have to uh get into the nuance every time i already know what the conversation is going to be
0: yeah, Boogie. When I first heard it, you know what I thought? Unfortunately, is this is who we are. This is who we are. So now the the ever revolving cycle is gonna start. The news outlets to talk about gun control. They'll have politicians on from either side to talk about what needs to be done. The activism and people will speak out about we need gun control, we need gun laws. But the, and, and then we'll we'll have the prayers up. I'm sure that's what's happening right now. Prayers up, prayers up. It's all over the place, and it's unfortunate. And all the time, it's unfortunate. This is not an isolated situation in this country. But I know what I know what the cycle is going to be. And then we'll go back to normal, everyday, scheduled programming. And the problem is, is that in these particular situations, when we have to come on television or anybody else has to talk about it that hates this part of what we are as a country, then it's, it's always isolated. Well, it's this and it's that. The bottom line is that it happens too much in the country. That's the bottom line. So, as we move forward, when we're talking about football and and celebratory, we're just coming off of a Super Bowl. I was excited to come on today and talk about the Kansas City Chiefs parade. This is the back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It doesn't even matter anymore. And that's the magnitude of what's happening, and it happens too often in this country that we live in.
3: It could have been so much worse. And absolutely tragic and heartbreaking for the one family who's dealing with the loss of life. But it could have been so much worse. Could have been so much worse. His counterpart there at ESPN, Lewis Riddick, says that we have lost our ability to care about others, and I fully uh, believe and echo what Lewis Riddick is about to tell you. We have totally lost the ability to really care About others, how
0: else do you put this? Like in this in this instance, a parade. Okay, look juxtapose what is happening there with what was
3: maybe going through the mind of someone who commits this kind of act. There's everyone there is there to celebrate, celebrate being
0: around one another in the name of the Kansas City Chiefs and their Super Bowl victory. Juxtapose that with someone who goes there
3: armed with a gun and then makes the conscious decision to use that that firearm to take another person's life. I mean, what in the hell could... Like, how could you get something so polar opposite? We're also incredibly fortunate that the two individuals that they know of at this point are in custody. So there's no, let me go hide out for couple of days, couple of weeks, let the smoke clear, and then I can go back out on the streets because nobody saw me. And the third person, the third suspect, did you say was found? Or Yeah, they found all three. Okay, they found all three. So that's, that's good that all three of those suspects are probably going to jail. But as Mongo called in a while ago and said, man, it just takes way too long to process things like this. When you know somebody's guilty, when you've got footage of somebody, I don't care what the circumstances are. You need to be able to handle that, handle that person way faster and never let them back out again. Charlotte Hornets are on a win streak. We talked about it yesterday. They've won two, When one more. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. Despite having just an awful season, the Charlotte Hornets and their number two overall pick, Brandon Miller, have now won three in a row. Sorry Brandon, your <laughs> Atlanta Hawks were at the brunt of that, but they won that game. Here's Brandon Miller in clip number 9 chasing down uh, a Hawks player and rejecting him. DeAndre Hunter, a chase down block by Miller. That's become his thing. This kid's good. This kid's really good, and this is one of those things that's going to get me to start paying a little bit of attention to the Charlotte Hornets. It's easy. Uh, if you can you know, if you've got the ESPN app on your phone, you can go in and set an alert that says, uh, tell me every time the Charlotte Hornets play, that might be what some of y'all need to do to start getting back into this team. whether it's if you start watching the highlights, if you need to put it on your phone, the notification to let you know when they play.' It's like I'm a creature of habit. I like football because I know more or less, what day my team is going to play week in and week out. They're going to play on a Saturday. Occasionally they play on a Thursday. Occasionally they play on a Friday. But they're playing on Saturday each and every week. And and, and we, all of us in the upstate, as football-first fans, which most of you are, you know Friday is for high school, Saturday is for college, Sunday is for the NFL, Monday is for the NFL, Thursdays for the NFL, like, come on, NFL. You got you to gotta chill out with all these days. But we are creatures of habit, and and not having that habit makes it more difficult to get into the NBA, makes it more difficult to get into the NHL. At least At least it does for me. Now, all of you who have said things in the past, like, I don't like the players' politics. That's why I don't watch the NBA. Well, they've greatly stepped back from that. And you can just choose to watch the game And appreciate the athletic prowess. And stay away from all the other stuff you don't like. It's called separating the art from the artist. Some of you got a problem with NBA players and their politics. Be willing to bet more than a few of you are Motley Crue fans. Vince Neil killed somebody in a car crash. You still listen to Motley Crue. So why can't you still watch NBA players even though you don't like their politics? That's all I got to say. When we come back, we had a fantastic conversation with J.J. Hardy, the owner and operator of Panthers Culture, hoping to help him reach the 19,000 follower mark on Twitter. If you haven't yet, go look him up at Panthers Culture. We'll give you a great reason to do that when you hear from him next here on Offsides. Call
0: from mom. you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Offsiders trying feverishly to grow our YouTube accounts. Our show, we stream it every day. Rob Brown streams his show every day on YouTube. Find us at The Fan Upstate on YouTube. Send us a like, send us a follow, and join in as we add the video elements to what it is we do here on The Fan Upstate. One big element of what we do is we go straight to the source, straight to the people who know. So right now we bring on JJ Hardy, owner and operator of Panthers Culture on Twitter. He is the best guy that we know to talk Carolina Panthers football. JJ, I'm going to start you off with a big one. Fill in the blank. The best thing the Panthers have going for them right now is?
4: That they don't have to play next Sunday.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not a new head coach, not renewed optimism, just the fact that the season is over. The season is
4: over. They don't have to worry about it right now, that they have time to plan. Um, for, you know, the, the 24th season, you know, that, you know, the combine is around the corner, free agency is around the corner, um, that they just have more time to prepare themselves for, for what's coming. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just the fact that football is over, you know, they can take a step back from it and, and really devise a plan, you know, for the people that they have and the, and the people that they want to have um, playing for the Carolina Panthers.
3: So, JJ, we know that you live just outside of the upstate. You're not not an upstate resident anymore. But we've also gone in depth as to why you are a Carolina Panther fan. You've got a deep-seated love affair with this team. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's a relatively new movie. It won six Oscars. It kind of tackles the multiverse concept in a way that every decision you make creates a new version of you with a different set of experiences and skills, and the hero could tap into those different versions of themselves to defeat the enemy down the road at the end of the movie. So I want you to think about your fandom for the Carolina Panthers from that perspective. Go back to the moment that you became a Carolina Panthers fan and pretend that that didn't happen. Who (laughs) would you be a fan of? What environmental factors were happening at the time that you chose your fandom that could have caused you to go a different way? And how sick does that thought make you right now?
4: You know, it's funny. I I, I really feel like I live in the multiverse, right? I, I'm in two different <laughs> strings of the multiverse. like, And I've lived both lives because I'm old enough to remember, as I mentioned before, when the Carolina Panthers were conceived and when they began um, back in 1995. So... If I'm just being real with my own fan story, I was a, a San Francisco Forty ers fan at the time. Um, grew up a big fan of, of Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. Really, you know, Joe Montana was my first quarterback love, and um, still my goat um, because that's who I started watching football with. Uh, was the Forty ers So when the Carolina Panthers were born, they were actually in the NFC West. You know, just no geographical sense, um, just like Dallas being in the NFC East today. Um, but they put them in the NFC West with the 49ers. And I remember being conflicted because I couldn't root against the 49ers, you know, trying to root for the new local team um, because football just doesn't work that way. You know, you could be a Carolina Panthers fan um, and try to support that. But, you know, the 49ers had just won the, the Super Bowl the year before. And so I always had a conflict in which team would be my team. And at the time, you know, Carolina was so new and the 49ers were, you know, still in their prime winning um, zone. And so, um, you know, I I called myself a 49ers fan uh, for years, uh, you know, while still supporting Carolina. Um, And so um, it, it was a journey where I could consider Carolina my home team and the 49ers my original team. It wasn't until probably about six years ago where I said, you know what, I'm over 49ers. I'm just going 100% with the home team. I'm back on the East Coast. I was, I'm out of the military, and I, I live um, in the you know, the the Atlanta, lesser, the lesser Georgia area, and um, I just wanted to focus on, on being in the division, and, and of course, you know, it's going to be the Panthers, and it's been a great move, you know, a lot of losing, and so, of course, you know, in my multiverse um, story, I probably just would have stayed with San Francisco. I can't imagine um, rooting for a team outside of you know these two franchises, and you know, given the recent success that San Francisco has had—where well, I say um, success up to the point of blowing Super Bowls—it um, would be easy to, to to just stay with that organization and say I'm a big fan of San Francisco. But at the end of the day, I don't have any regrets. You know, honestly, I'm—you I'm, can't replace the pride and. And, um, being a fan of the home teams but you know if they had to be an answer I would just say that I would have never uh, given any thought to becoming a Panthers fan I just would have stayed in San Francisco but I don't have any regret for um, coming home to Carolina
3: JJ this is Brandon here now uh, I am a um, Atlanta Falcons fan you know grew up oh, in Atlanta Lord. so I've been a diehard Falcons uh-huh. fan since 1992 <laughs> So uh, we know what it's like to have these transitional periods. Uh, But now that the NFL season is finally over, what is the first steps in your mind that that the Panthers need to do to prep for a successful 2024-25 season?
2: I think
4: the first thing they have to do is, like, really separate themselves from, um, you know, their emotions when it comes to, this roster and the players that that previous regimes felt were cornerstone pieces Uh, because they kind of need to look at this year as the first year of a rebuild. In my opinion, you know, you already drafted your quarterback, you know, that came in 2023. It's going to be Bryce Young. You know, you brought in a, a head coach, you know, who specifically said that he wants to work with Bryce Young. And I know that the owner wanted a coach who wanted to work with the quarterback that I felt like he had a heavy hand in drafting. So you know that that's your guy, right? So I think you need to, like, put all of your efforts into supporting your goal, your mission, um, to make the quarterback the best quarterback that he can possibly be. And I hate saying that as a fan because I'm a big defensive guy. I love, you know, stout defenses and all that, you know, just having the balance of a, uh, an entire 53-man roster in both sides of the ball, all three phases of the ball. But I think in order for this to work out and for Dave Tepper to not do anything irrational within the next 12 months, I think you have to like make Bryce Young look as good as he can can look. So I think you need to look at contracts um, for players, uh, or I, I would not even say current contracts, but like maybe you know, potential contracts and deals that you have to um, decide on and think about, like, how can I leverage that in ways that can make my offense better, right? So I think you have to, like, look at players like Byron Burns and say, hey, look, maybe we need to tag and trade this guy so we can get additional draft resources to go out there and and draft um, additional pieces that will help the offense, the quarterback. You know, so I think Carolina needs offensive line help in addition to Pass catcher help, and I say pass catcher because I don't like um, reducing it to just wide receivers. I think tight ends are very, very, very valuable to young quarterbacks. If you look across the league and the young quarterbacks who have found success early, they've always had a dependable pass catching tight end. So uh, I think Bryce Young needs offensive line help. I think he needs pass catching help, um, and you know, and obviously the scheme that Dave Canales is going to build. Um, around him, you know to to cater to his strengths. I think you start with those moves first, right? And the fact that you kept um, the defensive coordinator from last year, who I thought did a great job um, executing his defense with replacement pieces. Um, I think you kind of like fill in the the gaps with whatever you might have to give up. you know, if it's Brian Burns, I think you allow him to um, to get you know some cheap replacements and free agency. Know, guys who can fit his scheme. Maybe draft some guys later in the draft. You know who can um, do some of the things that we might give up and in, in losing a guy like Burns, um, if that's the the move they make. But I think that's how you go about. it. I think you prioritize offense, um, get Bryce. You know some reinforcements on the offensive line. You know some upgrades and and pass catchers, wide receivers, tight end, um, and then I think you focus on. Um, filling in whatever spaces you need to fill in on the roster, especially on the defensive side, um, so Everrow can have another year of having a solid defense. And I think if you do those things, uh, I just think you'll be a competitive Competitive this year. will looked better than he looked last year. The fans will see the progress. Um, we're in a weak division, and so that little progress could mean challenging for the division. Um, But I think the expectation would just be that you try to build it right, and you can message it that way. And I think if we do that, I think we'll be in good position.
3: JJ, you said it right there. You talked about uh, Dave Tepper's itchy trigger finger. Who will be wearing process blue and silver longer, Dave Canales or Bryce Young? Uh,
4: You know, I was asked this question last year, and I answered with Bryce Young. You know, the, the question was was um, related to who would last longer, Frank Wright or Bryce Young. And I said Bryce Young because, you know, you drafted that guy, right? And um, and I felt Dave Tepper would have more loyalty, you know, to the guy that has a, a cheap Ricky deal than he would the, the coach that he hired, right, you know, because, you know, Dave Tepper has so much money that I don't think it matters to him, you know, that he wastes, you know, I hate to say this because it sounds crazy, but, you know, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars um, on on a head coach, right? I, but I think he would be very disappointed if he couldn't achieve any winning um, on a five-year rookie deal and um, build some winning around that type of deal, where he doesn't have to pay you know north of forty million dollars for a quarterback. So uh, I think right now the answer is the same. I think if Dave Canales came here and laid an egg with Bryce Young. Um, I, I don't think he would last long because everything around him, you know, that people are ignoring right now regarding, you know, his experience as a head coach, all those things would become magnified if Carolina fails and if Bryce Young fails, uh, because I think there would be more people who still believe in Bryce Young's talents than, they, than there would be people who believe that
3: Dave Canales is a good head coach. JJ, I'm going to put you in a tough spot here. Now, you know this is not this is not like new news. This was a few days ago, obviously. But the San Francisco 49ers fired Steve Wilkes after architecting a top 10 defense and only giving up 19 points in regulation uh, to Patrick Mahomes. The Carolina Panthers fired him after turning around the season after Matt Rule had been fired. This is a question here from Trey on the text line: Who did Steve Wilkes dirtier, San Francisco or Carolina?
4: I think it's definitely San Francisco. Um I know a lot of conversation has gone on around that subject. I know I'm probably the culprit of a lot of it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm just I'm that guy. Um but I think San Francisco did him dirty it. and this is the the particulars, right? You know, a lot of people look at it like Carolina fired Steve Wilkes um in reality Steve Wilkes, you know, was unemployed Um, in NFL football where Carolina hired him, I think. You know, I think, you know, they brought him back to NFL football coaching. Um, You know, when Matt Rule was fired, the people I talked to, you know, that was close to the folks in the building, I knew that Steve Wilkes was the man before it was announced. So let me just say that part, right? You know, there was a lot of respect for Steve Wilkes in that building. And I will say that even, you know, as related to Dave Tepper, There was a lot of respect. So it was like an instant decision that Steve Wilkes was going to be the man to be the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers last October. Steve Wilkes surprised everyone with how he turned around that one and four, one and five team, whatever they were at the time, you know, and he got, you know, six wins out of that sorry group. You know, at least they looked sorry uh, with the previous coach. And so I think it put Carolina in a tough situation because I think regardless of um, how well he had done. I think, and and Tepper said to himself, he was like, you know, basically he would have to be amazing or something he said to that effect um, in order to be hired as the head coach. You know, he has to do an amazing job, outstanding, something, something incredible job or whatever. And I think Steve will surprise him by actually, you know, doing that to to a certain extent. But I think Dave Tepper's uh, intent all along was that if he moved on from Matt Rule, um, he wasn't going to pick a guy who wasn't an offensive guy right and, um, and regardless how well Steve wilkes had done as an interim coach, he was never going to be considered an offensive head coach. and so you know I, you know we, regardless of how it turned out, Dave Tepper hired an offensive minded head coach in Frank Wright and, um, and and I think just because he did what he said he was going to do, what we knew he wanted to do, even when he hired Matt Rule, you know, get a, an offensive mind at head coach. I think it's easy to accept the fact that they Tepper moved off from him, um, despite the emotions involved. Like Tepper did what he said he was going to do, and you know, in essence, he didn't fire him. He just picked another guy over him. And Steve Wilkes, I think, wasn't interested in standing around and saying uh, in 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 um, Charlotte after that happened to him, and I don't blame him for that. Now, you know, you look at the situation in San Francisco, it's a bit different because he was hired to come in and basically keep a good defensive float, um, but you know, obviously he wasn't someone who was groomed within San Francisco's organization like the previous two defensive coordinators were, Robert Sala and and D'Amico Lyons. You know, he came in already having like somewhat of a defensive identity, um, and You know, he probably wasn't doing everything that Shanahan would have preferred in certain situations. But, you know, I blame Shanahan for that because he hired an older coach who already had an identity and had experience in the NFL. So he should have known that he had certain philosophies that wasn't 100% married up with whatever they had done in the past. But despite all that, like you mentioned, top 10 defense, your defense was still good enough to take your team to the Super Bowl. Um, even with whatever differences you may have had. And I think, you know, to let him take that kind of defense into the Super Bowl, hold Patrick Mahomes to 19 points in regulation, um, who could have done better than that? I think, you know, you have to blame yourself as an offensive play caller to where when um, the team wasn't allowing any points in the first half, you didn't get more points than you did to give yourself more of a cushion. Um, you know, in that second half. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, San Francisco definitely did Steve Wilkes dirtier than uh, Carolina because I think Carolina had it easier out by saying that they wanted to go offensive Their head coach.
3: Yeah, J.J., let's not forget it was 10-3, middle of the third quarter. San Francisco had the ball three times and failed to score any points. That's the reason the 49ers lost the game. Mm-hmm. It's that not Steve Wilkes' defense.
4: Yeah, I mean, and then you muff a punt and basically give them that short of a field. And that's where they scored their first touchdown at. And so, like, and so you're going to blame Steve Wilks for muffing the punt, you know, for the, the ball landing on a, a, on one of the Gunther's legs and and then, you know, the, the returner deciding to not fall on the ball but try to pick it up and make a play and put your defense in a bad position, you know, at that point in the game against the greatest, maybe the greatest potential quarterback of all time. And, uh, and Pat Mahomes, like, come on, man. Like, it's, yeah. it's just... It was
3: ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, You know it. I know it. Everybody listening knows that Steve Wilkes is too good of a defensive coach to be a journeyman going team to team to team like this. He deserves some consistency, and I really hope one of these days that he gets it before he just says, okay, enough. I'm out of this league. J.J. Hardy at Panthers Culture on Twitter. He's at 18.4 thousand followers. Let's get him to 19,000 by the next time we have him on. Go give J.J. a follow. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture win.
1: Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
3: Some of you might have heard this audio already because it happened live on the air, not at this station, about three months ago. It's like mid November, I believe, when this originally happened. And I find it refreshing the way that the host responds to this. Because, like, a lot of times there's a pressure with radio hosts to sound like you know everything. Because listeners will be like, oh, you didn't know who was on, who played second. For the Cincinnati Reds in 1962, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. There's pressure for them to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who that was, while they're furiously Googling. But a listener caller on Stephen A. Smith's TV show tried to slip one past old Stephen A. And he got shot blocked. <laughs> Listen to this as a caller tries to... To pull a fast one on Stephen A. Danny, in Wisconsin, you're
0: live
1: with Stephen A. What's up, Danny? Talk to me. Stephen A. Smith, uh, when you think about the GOAT of sports, you think about Mike with six, Brady with seven rings. But where do you rank a guy like Lightning McQueen with seven Piston Cups?
0: Mm.
3: I would tell pause you he right wouldn't be the GOAT. How are you uh, going to be the GOAT? It, you're talking right about the That's the point where if he didn't know who Lightning McQueen was... He could have been like, he was great at, at in his time, in his day. Man, the numbers speak for themselves. Clearly, he was special if he didn't know who Lightning McQueen was. But Stephen A knew. Movie Cars, right? You talk about the movie Cars, right? I mean, when you talk yes, about the Strip
1: time, King the Weathers light and, and,
0: and Lightning McQueen, they're both tied with seven piston cups. Strip Weathers, you've got about him? How can you be oh, that's to go to? You got somebody that's tired with you. That. You got somebody that's tired with you. Sorry, that ain't gonna work. Well, I know you tried to catch me with that. You didn't think I knew <laughs> that
1: about that. You didn't think I knew about cars. Darryl, did hey, you? Hey, hey.
2: When you say you think about, when you, 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 think you about McQueen, on brother. You're a brother. You slept on a brother. piston
1: cups. He's got twenty-eight circuits. You got twenty-eight circuits under his Strip belt. Strip Weathers has seven
0: piston cups. I am not about to sit here and argue with a grown-ass man about the movie Cars. Oh come on, now <laughs> Strip Weathers has seven piston cups. You should have brought me somebody that didn't have as many piston cups.
3: And what really is funny is he's literally, like, the guy
2: is legit getting mad at Stephen A about the movie Cars.
3: I, I'm going to be real, I'm <laughs> going to reveal something. I have never seen Cars. What? I haven't seen Cars 2. I haven't seen, I'm sure there's a 3 and a 4 and a 5. Oh, my God. I haven't seen any of them. You, don't, oh, my God, me, you only <laughs> saw the movie because you have kids. Like, I believe the 5th. The the, the <laughs> caller, a few seconds later, reveals that he's only 21 years old, which means when did the movie Cars come out?
1: Oh, I think like 2010. Yeah.
3: Cars came out in 2006. That was nearly 20 years ago. That's a sad statistic, too. Which means that dude was like three when the movie Cars came out. He has lived his entire life with cars. I never saw cars. I never saw it. 2006. I was pushing 30. I highly recommend you watch it. I never saw it. But shout out to Stephen A. Smith. Like he could have been like, "Eh, I don't like that call. Like not Jim a very Rome, good call. Like Jim Rome, he could have shut it down. He could have said, "Nice try, bro. Nice try, bro. Trying to get one over on me, bro." My Stephen, my um, Jim Rome isn't great, but it's not awful. <laughs> but no, Stephen A. Smith got into the debate. He's like, "You can't tell. You can't throw Lightning McQueen at me when was it Strip Weathers?" Yeah. Strip Weathers also has seven piston cups. L- miss me with that. You can't. You can't talk. You can't throw somebody as a debate for a goat if somebody else has tied them. So, so good on you, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard this audio. This just came across my Twitter today. Had anybody else? I, I'm, I'm sure y'all have seen this already, and this is not new to you. But it's still funny. It's like one of those funny every time. It's like the the uh, bathroom scene in Dumb and Dumber. It's funny every time. I don't care how old I get. It's funny every time. But Stephen A. Smith, man, actually, he's like, I am not about to debate the movie Cars with a grown ass man. Yeah, that was pretty good too. <laughs> oh, Stephen A. Smith, like I, I look. I have never been a huge fan of Stephen A. Smiths. I don't like. I don't like a, a brand of television where people like. I don't want to wake up to people screaming at each other. Like you know. A day is already stressful enough. I, I, I'm already not feeling you know, great in the morning. I'm already kind of grumpy in the morning anyway because it's morning time. I don't want to start my day with, with people yelling at each other. But I do believe that Stephen A. Smith is a very smart and eloquent man. And he's one of the best to do the job. So shout out to Stephen A. Smith for... <laughs> it's like, I'm not about to debate the movie Cars, but then he debates the movie Cars and he absolutely <laughs> smokes... Whoever he was from Wisconsin. Shout out to you, Stephen A. Smith. We were talking about the Charlotte Hornets being on a three-game win streak. Woo, things are getting exciting. Things are heating up for the Charlotte Hornets. They have won three in a row. Texter gets in and says, I'm going to a Hornets game against the Nets. The cheapest tickets I can find it's like fifty dollars for upper bowl. Is that crazy to anyone else? Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy for, for a team a that's game? It's like thirteen and forty something. Thirteen and forty-one. It's not good. Charging Dude. fifty bucks, but you know, like they charge the same all season long, regardless whether you're good or bad. They could go up on the secondary market after that. But but Jeez, that's expensive. the cheap seats, the nosebleeds, the last twenty five rows should cost like 25 bucks. Like I I've I've only been in that stadium twice. Once I was down on the floor, the other time I was way up high. Like it's huge. You're a long way from the court and that for 50 bucks seems like an awful lot. So, Absolutely. but professional sports are really expensive. Yeah, you know, they're pricing out the common fan. I get why you know, that's, that's another big reason, of course, why people around here don't like the NBA. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be ripped off for a product they're already not super into anyway. Like, if you're not super into NBA basketball, but you know a good team is coming in, not even if it's like LeBron and the Lakers, but like just a good team's coming in, the Bucks. Like, you might go just out of curiosity of this is a good team. My local team's playing a good team. I'm going to go even though I'm not a super big fan, but I'm not going to do it for 50 bucks. Mm-mm. Especially if you got to take, you know, you, a wife and two kids. That's crazy. That's crazy. But like the, the same reason I don't go to Panther games. Same reason I don't go to Falcons games because they are expensive. And I, you know, I wish, I wish that, you know, owners of these teams started to realize that shout out to, Was it Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons a couple of years ago, who lowered all the concession prices by 50%? He ended up making more money because people were willing to spend more money when they felt like they weren't getting ripped off. That's like, oh, my God. If we don't charge $10 for a hot dog, if we actually charge $5 for a hot dog, they're going to spend more money. We're going to buy three hot dogs, where before they were going to buy one. So now you've just made 50% more money by cutting the prices. I wish these major ownership groups, these owners of these franchises across all sports would understand that. People know when they're getting ripped off and they don't like it. And $50 to go see the Charlotte Hornets is a ripoff. It's a ripoff. But, hey, shout-out to Brandon Miller. Regardless, we can watch it on TV if that's what you want to do. Brandon Miller is actually playing like a dog this year. Like like a dog, I mean, good, is that dude. Brandon Miller, number two overall pick. Compare him to Victor who who is number one. Victor, scoring 20.5 a game, 10 rebounds a game, and 47% from the field. Victor is good. Brandon Miller, 16.5 points a game, 44% from the field. So, you know, he's worth four fewer points. As the number two overall pick, granted, he's playing with the Hornets, and they keep changing up the roster constantly. Scoot Henderson is a guy that a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans wanted when they they drafted Brandon Miller. Fans booed. Number three overall pick, he's averaging 12.8 and 37% from the field. So, like, he's playing pretty good for a rookie. But Brandon Miller is playing good for anybody in the league. So the Charlotte Hornets got something with Brandon Miller. Could have had Victor. (laughs) good <laughs> ahead Victor. but the good news is you are still uh, in fourth place for the uh, highest percentage chance to be in the top four which means you got a lottery pick, which means you could get the number one overall pick and man think about that having uh, you know the number two pick one year the number one pick the next year things could get crazy for the Charlotte Hornets and you could uh, get really young and really good really fast. that would be very very exciting and we may actually start talking Charlotte Hornets basketball here on the fan upstate again. It's been a blast. On the show today, we talked about all the craziness going on in Kansas City with the shooting that happened yesterday during the Super Bowl uh, party. We talked about Sean Elliott coming back to South Carolina. Gamecock fans, man, you guys are so lucky you got him back. He was doing well at Georgia State. Three games under five hundred as a head coach in seven seasons, but you got him back as a tight end coach, and, man, you got a good one. So congratulations to you. Takes the sting off of getting blown out by 40 by Auburn last night.